TYB On The Run with your host, Katie Halday. This is your daily Bible blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. Okay, TYB on the run, John 7. This is such a great chapter on the festivals. Now, you really need to understand what these festivals are. So I'm going to try and do a little bit of Jewish understanding of the festivals. Unfortunately, the Bible assumes or the Gospels assume that we know all of this stuff. So I'm going to give you some hints. So it's a long chapter. So just stay with me as I read it over you. John 7. Jesus goes to the festival of tabernacles. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you because it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went up also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He's a good, he, was, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no, um, no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does does so to gain personal glory. But he who speaks the, the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you were all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances but instead judge correctly. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. And Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him. But I know him because I am from him and he sent me. As this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crown believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? 
The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time and then I am going to to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. For where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? (laughs) Will he go where our people live, live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean then when he said, you will look for me but will not find me? Where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those he believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he's the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does the scripture not say that the Messiah will come from David's descendant and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because uh, because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. <laughs> Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever ever spoke the way this man does. The guards replied, you mean he has deceived you also. Oh, this is so good. It keeps going, guys, and I'm going to have to stop because it is such an incredible moment. This is the moment where you kind of get this conference feeling and Jesus is in the midst of this, this festival of tabernacles. There is thousands upon thousands of people. And in the beginning, you really see this essence of, of Jesus' motivation. His brothers come to him and say, stop going around. Let's, let's read it. It says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles, now, again, key things, key, what is the Jewish festival of tabernacles? When this Jewish festival of tabernacles came near, Jesus' brother said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. We know from other gospels that Jesus' brothers and family didn't didn't believe in him as the Messiah, which is a hard call. You've got to say, you know, you grow up with somebody as your older brother, a stepbrother, and, and you, then he starts proclaiming that he's a son of God, Messiah. That would be a really hard revelation to, to, to have. Now we've got this beautiful moment where Jesus got this somebody in these brothers in his life saying, stop doing everything in private, go. And isn't that amazing how everybody's got an opinion of how Jesus is to minister? And I love the fact that Jesus doesn't sway the motivation of his heart or his ministry just by other people's opinion. Can I say, TYB, there are so many opinions in the world today that you can be swayed by. Listen to the voice of Jesus. Just read your Bible listen to his voice, let his voice be the only voice that guides you, not what people are saying in politics, not what people are saying on the news. One voice motivates me to move. That's what I learned when I was young. One voice motivates me to move. If I hear that voice in godly counsel around me, I will move, but only one voice motivates me to move. And I love the fact that that. Jesus knew what the Father was saying. He was in communion with the Father. He was praying and that one voice was the only voice. His brother's closest family could come in and say, you're doing this wrong. 
there was only one voice that motivated him, and I absolutely adore that. Be that person, guys, that, that only God's voice motivates you to change and shift. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Again, John's thing, he's going to say who does and who doesn't believe in him. I love this. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time's not yet here for you. Any time will do. He's basically correcting them. World cannot hate you. It hates me. He says, you go to the festival. I'm not going. I love this because <laughs> he goes anyway. I love this moment when Jesus is like, you go. Um, my time's not fully come yet. Um, and he stays in Galilee while they go up to the festival. And he says, however, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. I love this. Now, at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching, trying to find him. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to, because people are now starting to decide he, he, he is the Messiah. They're starting to decide, do they believe or not believe? And a lot of people are starting to say, this is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. And in this, you've got this questioning. But wait a second, the Messiah is supposed to come from this place. And wait a second, he's not doing this. And I love this wrestling that John gives us in this chapter. Because can I say, TYB, sometimes God will come in a way you don't expect, you have an opinion of how God is supposed to manifest and how he's supposed to do a miracle or how he's supposed to answer your prayer, how he's supposed to bring this miracle into your life or save your family or you've got a way that he, you think he's going to move. Can I say don't be so rigid on the way God is going to move. Know that he will move but let him move in the way he chooses. And this is what's happening here. The Jewish Pharisees had a way that they wanted the Messiah to come. They've studied the Old Testament scriptures and they know the way the Messiah is coming because when he came they had locked it in and they hadn't allowed for God to come in a different way never be like that that's legalism that's 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 legalistic Christianity when you don't let God move how he wants to move okay so he's in secret guys he has nobody knows he's there disciples don't know he's there he's in secret and among the crowds they're whispering who is this guy is he is he a good man is he the messiah you imagine jesus walking around the crowd hearing people talking about him oh you know you can imagine him having a cheeky conversation saying so what do you think about this jesus character <laughs> it's like that disciples on the road to emmaus moment where he's like what's wrong with you oh didn't you know jesus died and they're talking to jesus you got to be careful what you say um not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go and start to teach. And we have this amazing moment where Jesus is answering. The Jews there were amazed. How did this man get such you know, great teaching without um, being taught? And he says, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. And he's giving them the revelation that he's the son of God. He is the Messiah. But again, they don't believe. They call him demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you, you know, and there's this beautiful moment where I love this. Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you're all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, it came from the patriarchs, which is right, you could circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you so angry for me for healing a whole man's whole body on the Sabbath? He's saying, why are you so hypocritical? You circumcise on the Sabbath. I healed someone on the Sabbath. Why are you being stopped judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly? I love this beautiful essence of the teaching of Jesus. Now I'm going to jump forward, guys, because I want to focus on this moment here. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival. The Festival of Tabernacles is this understanding of 
they put tents everywhere. And it's kind of like this this physical demonstration of camping in the wilderness. <laughs> it's kind of like this moment where they are they are celebrating and remembering the festival of, of, of Tabernacle. Now, this festival of Tabernacle, we, we see it in Leviticus. And what it is is a seven-day celebration. That's why halfway through he starts preaching because it goes for seven days. And they build these little tents and it's kind of like this remembering the wilderness wanderings and um, they they have these tents around and for seven days they're in these tents and it's really this understanding as a reminder for the Israelites with the presence of God um, in the, the Sinai Desert and being the Exodus account and all, all of these incredible things that God did taking them through the wilderness. How cool is that? They kind of got little tents and it's still celebrated today. Um, it's this time of really just this, this remembering. And Jesus chooses this moment. Now, let me get this. The Feast of Tabernacles was, was this incredible feast and celebrations um, and pointing towards the messianic hope that one day the Messiah will come. And it just blows my mind that you can imagine them praying for the Messiah to come and he's walking amongst them. <laughs> Jesus is like, I'm here. So we have this moment where Jesus decides to reveal his messianic identity at the very festival that is waiting for the Messiah. I love this. In 737, on the last and greatest day of the festival, we know it goes for seven days, Jesus stood. Now, what is the last and greatest day of the festival? This moment that we have here is this moment where at the end there was what's called this water celebration. Okay, during this water celebration and ceremony, the temple priests gathered a pitcher of water from the pool of Siloam and poured it on the altar inside the temple. The pouring out of the water expressed Israel's hope for future and um, for future rains to produce an abundant harvest for that living water. I mean, oh, it's so good, Um, you know, to be free and liberated. So we have this moment where in these final days these priests are taking the water. (laughs) Are you you getting it yet? and believing for the Messiah that the living water is going to flow from and believing for this desperate cry for living water. Now, remember, the disciples and the family of Jesus don't know he's there. (laughs) They, they, they They think he's back in Galilee. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, you imagine this moment where there's where's the, there was this moment where it's, it's kind of a solemn moment of remembrance and he says this, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And it says, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said, no, he's the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? And they questioned, oh, my gosh, imagine this moment where Jesus 
is crying out to them, I am the fulfillment of the very promise that you are you are celebrating here. I am the fulfillment of the living water that you are symbolically pouring out here. I'm standing amongst you. I'm standing here. I am this living water. And still with this incredible moment, some stick with their guns and say, no, 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 he can't be the Messiah because the Messiah has to come from this and this. And it's just this heartbreaking religious unbelief in in this chapter. Again, the temple guards start to argue, can I say, Religious argument is not going to show you Christ. Now, let me let me explain that. Chapter 7 here shows how much religious argument was going on. He has to be this. He has to be that. Sometimes you have to get rid of your religious. It's, it's called an idol of knowledge. I have to know about Christ before I'm going to believe in Christ. That's an idol of knowledge. Sometimes you have to believe in Christ and allow Christ to reveal himself to you because your idol of knowledge is stopping you from understanding the true nature of Christ. This is what's happening here. Their knowledge as Pharisees, their knowledge of what the Messiah should be was actually stopping them from seeing the Messiah which who is in their midst. It's this most heartbreaking moment where you realize that Jesus is standing in the midst of you. Some of you, God has already answered your prayer, but because you thought it was going to happen in, in, in a certain way, you're angry at God because he didn't do it your way. Let him open your eyes to see the answer that he has given you in a way that is above your, your thoughts or your imagination. Now, guys, I'm going to jump forward a little bit to, to chapter 8. Now, I know I didn't read this in the beginning of this, but this is at the same kind of festival, the same moment where John's showing Jesus as the fulfillment of the very Jewish festivals that they are celebrating. John is saying, let me show you your festivals and let me show you how Jesus fulfills those because, again, John's purpose, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So at the Light Festival, Sorry, at the um, Festival of Tabernacles, at this water festival, he stands up and says, I am the living water. Let me show you the light festival and what he does here. This is in um, chapter 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. We have, let me explain this to you. In the light festival, which most scholars believe this is when Jesus makes these declarations of I am. The first declaration of I am is that I am the living water. And I love this, this moment. I um, I love this moment where he's saying, come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. The second declaration is the light festival. Now, let me, let me explain it to you. The light festival was this time where they would actually have these lights and these lamps going as a burning uh, remembrance and a burning sense to keep the lamp and the oil ready for when the Messiah comes. And again, oh, my gosh, the Messiah is in their midst and they are missing him at the very festival that they are celebrating. And most scholars believe that in John 8, and I want you to read John 8, this moment what they would do at the end of the light festival is they would turn the lamps off and you would have this sense and this time of 
of um, remembrance that the Messiah has not come, that we're still in the dark, we're still waiting for the light to come. And most people believe this is when Jesus spoke up and said these words, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Imagine these moments, guys, where your disciples and your family don't know you're there and then all of a sudden this voice comes booming through, you know, whoever um, comes to me has living water and, you know, I am the light of the world and you're kind of like, wait a second. I know that voice. Oh, my gosh, it's Jesus. And even at that moment they had a decision, do I believe that what he's saying is truth or do I believe what everyone else is saying, that he he's crazy and he's demon-possessed? Jesus comes in these chapters 7 and 8 and fulfills the very festivals that they are waiting for the Messiah. Guys, don't miss Jesus. Jesus is walking amongst you. He is with you in every situation. Sometimes you're so set on the way God is going to move. Church leaders, don't be so set on the way God is going to grow your church that you miss how God is actually growing your church. Don't be set on the way God is going to bring revival that you miss the revival that is already happening amongst you. Like these guys, they were so set on how the Messiah was was to come that they missed that the Messiah was in their midst the whole time. And John heartbreakingly, 60 years later, says, you missed it. Do you believe now that the very man that was walking amongst you that declared he was the Messiah is in fact the Messiah. I have loved again studying this with you, TYB. John 7 and 8, really wrestle with these scriptures. Again, we can only do part of these because they're such long chapters, but I have so loved it. Cannot wait to continue in the book of John with you.